How many of you caught that video either Saturday night or Sunday on Missing Mother's Day? Was that not funny? That was funny. But not funny if you miss it. So this weekend, Mother's Day weekend, of course, Saturday night, we're going to have a Mother's Day service just like Sunday morning. So you know what? It's one of those times where your mom might come to church when she wouldn't come any other time. So I want to encourage you. Uh, to think about it. It might be an opportune moment to invite your mother. But we're going to bless all you moms. And I also know that for some of you, Mother's Day weekend is a painful weekend for various reasons. I'm going to preach a message that is going to minister to you whether or not Mother's Day is a great time for you or not. It's going to be a good word. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to continue with the God who series, and I'm going to call it The God Who Chose a Wise Mother. And it's going to go across the board. Whether or not you're a mother, it's still going to give you wisdom for living life. Amen? All right, everybody who's on Facebook, raise your hand. Let me, a better question would be, whoever is not on Facebook, raise your hand. Really? All right. How about anybody who, let me just say, is there anyone here who's on no form of social media at all? That means you don't, what is it, tweet, Twitter, twerp, um, email. Oh, email, social, hey, come on. So I think I just hit everybody right there. Is there anybody here who does not have a computer? Wow, amazing. All right. Well, we're going to continue with our, as a matter of fact, this is the last Wednesday night we're doing questions. We've done questions for six weeks now. What I thought was going to be a two-week uh, undertaking became six weeks because I got a stack of questions like that. It's unbelievable. It could be a book. But I got this question. Let's just, well, I can't see anything up there for me, guys. Um, so I don't know what to do. But y'all can see it. There's the question. What about social media. So instead of spending five minutes on it, I'm going to take the whole evening on it. And boy, do I hope I can see better up there than this one. All right. So let's talk about Facebook. What are you tweeting? Twitter. I, I Twitter. It's the only thing I do. I tweet. I don't know what I do. I'm trying to get up to speed with all this stuff. Well, anyway, that's all I do. And I do it about once or twice a day. I put a little word of wisdom on there, a little encouragement for people. Did it before I came to church. And so, uh, but that's it. I'm not on Facebook. I tried it for one week, and I said, I don't have time for this. There was so much. But we're going to talk about the whole thing, and we're going to deal with this, and we're going to see what God has to say about Washing our Facebook, washing our face, book, and the rest of social media. So, Lord, we thank you right now for your blessing. We thank you for your goodness, and we pray that you will help us, Lord, to walk in the Spirit in every arena of life, even and particularly social media. Help us to let our lights shine. And, Lord, we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, 
Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's not going to be bad tonight, so don't worry about your toes. All right. Um, I'm going to be using this up here, I guess, until they fix that back there. So let me stand over this way. And can I have my notes up here, guys? Thank you. And I don't. And here we are Wednesday night again. There we go. There we go. Good. Now, I want to make this a, the opening prayer, uh, something I want us to apply, think about applying, make it, our, make it our social media verse. Can we read it out loud together? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Isn't that a great passage? Now, we're going to discuss tonight the pros and the cons of social networking. Almost everybody does it. As a matter of fact, social networking is by far the number one way Americans use the Internet. 23% of online time is comprised of social networking. Think about that. A quarter, one quarter of all online time is yakking away in some form or another on social network. So people are talking. Amen? And guess what? Facebook accounts for 85% of that time. There are 500 million worldwide subscribers. Facebook is by far the most popular way people network. Do you know that Paul would have dreamed for a medium like that? All right. A Nielsen study reveals... Americans spend a third of their online time, 36%, communicating and networking across social networks, blogs, personal email, and instant messaging. As a result, Americans are networking more and producing less than ever. Ask a boss who has to take steps to shut down social networking during working hours because so many people are doing it and eating up their time. Did you know that the Bible says face-to-face communication is vitally important? How many of you knew that? Okay, here's the verse. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the what of his friend? The countenance of his friend. That means the face, the expression. So if you want to talk about Facebook, let's talk about face time, facial expression. There is no countenance to see on Facebook. This is why I contend, and I, and I believe there's more strongly today than ever, that Facebook, email, texting, or any other faceless form of social media is the worst possible way to communicate. Here's why. You can't hear a person's tone, because I can say, good to see you, or I can say, eh, good to see you. And you can't tell which I mean. You can't tell if I'm being sarcastic or if I really mean it. So I believe it's the worst possible way to communicate. I believe miscommunication and disinformation is spread all the time because of that. For you can't hear a person's tone. You can't see their expression. You can't read their body language. Misinterpretation abounds on social media. It happens all the time. 
We're going to see as we go on tonight that Facebook makes it easy to have fellowship with people who are practicing sin. And we're going to read a whole lot of Bible because my textbook is the Bible. I'm called to teach the Bible. I'm not called to teach my own thoughts. I'm not called to give you my own opinion. I'm called to open up the book of life and to the best of my ability, exegete it and teach it to you, teach to you what God intended for his word to say. That's my calling. And I work very hard at it. Now, Ephesians 5.11 commands the Christian and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but do what with them? Expose them. Have you ever thought about exposing a work of darkness instead of fellowshipping with it? Fellowshipping with it is when you spend time with it and invest your emotions in it. When It's like walking with somebody down the road, fellowshipping. You can fellowship with an image. You can fellowship with a faceless person on the social network. Uh, you can fellowship with a television show. You spend your time on it. Christians sin when they socialize with brethren who are engaging in gossip or other unwholesome conversation. Not only is it a sin to say the wrong thing, but guess what, everybody? It's a sin to listen to the wrong thing. And, and it'll protect you. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons that I want to answer this question as my last question is because I want you protected. I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. And when I see the lion or the bear coming at you, or if he already has you in his jaws. I want the spirit of David on me. And I want to grab that lion and that bear and kill it before it eats you alive. So I'm a protector. I had three little sisters. I was the only bro and firstborn. And I can't tell you how many times I almost got in a fight or did get in a fight protecting my little sisters. God gave me, and then I realized they didn't want my protection. It was kind of a romantic notion I had. They want my protection, but after a few fights and scuffles, and they'd go back to the jerk that I fought, I decided, forget it. But in the meantime, God put in me a protective heart. So I'm a protector. When I see something moving in that's going to hurt the body, then I go into action. Now, so, and, I, and I use the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Okay? Now, Christians sin when they socialize with brethren who are engaging in gossip or unwholesome conversation. Not only is it a sin to say the wrong thing, but it's a sin if you listen to it because you'll fall into a trap. You will fall into the lion's jaw if you listen to the wrong thing. As most of you know on Facebook, you select friends to get connected. You select them, you friend them, defriend them, unfriend them postpone, friend them, refriend them, defriend them, unfriend them. It's crazy. I've had two people untweet me. <laughs> oh, well. For every untweet, there's a new tweet. Right? All right. Now, let me suggest that the first friend you should choose on a social network is God. Seriously, it's God. Have you chosen to be God's friend on Facebook? Say, Lord, you and me together, we're going on Facebook. We're going to go on social media together. I'm not going out there without you. Jesus said, you are my what? Friends. 
if you do what? What I command. Now, I want to suggest that you can either exercise faith or folly on Facebook or other social media. You can glorify him or you can mar your witness, and you can do it at the click of a mouse. Facebook can be a tremendous tool for good. What an amazing that 500 million possible viewers. That's amazing. Since it's a worldwide venue, it has potential as a witnessing tool virtually unknown before now. I don't think there's ever been anything like it. I don't think, I think Facebook has opened up a door, if you use it right, that has never existed on the planet. So let's look first at how you can use your faith on Facebook. Jesus said, let's read it together, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to all that are in the house. So you and I are lights. We've been lit by the great light. And as a candle, we are to uh, if we go into a dark place, we're not to extinguish our light and join the darkness. We are to shine and expel and expose the darkness. That's your call and my call. And every Christian in here is called to that. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are a light. Everywhere you go, everything you do, every room you walk into, every group of people you join, you are called to be a light because you've been lit. Now, Jesus said in the same way, let your light, individual, your light shine before others. Why? So they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. They see that you're living a righteous life, and it makes them look up and say, well, I'm going to have to notice and recognize the God they're following. So when you go into social media, you're a light. You're a light. Now, that passage should be the motto of every Christian Facebook user. When on Facebook, let your light shine that your good deeds may be seen by the possible millions watching. When on Facebook, spread the gospel through daily scripture, readings, songs, prayers, links to worthy Bible study sites and topics, study groups, and so on. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, that just sounds boring. No, it's not boring. Because if you don't get on there and shine, you're going to end up being extinguished and joining the darkness. So make it your motto, let's say this together, to gossip the gospel. Can we try that again? Gossip the gospel. It'll keep you out of trouble. Gossip the gospel. Then those that are walking in darkness will quickly defriend you. And that's what you want. How fast can I hit that defriend button? Let them go. All right. Use Facebook for mass distribution of gospel teaching. What a, what a tool. Gospel meeting invitations. Bragging on what Jesus has done for you. That's what I mean by gossiping the gospel. Brag on Jesus. Lift him up. Let it be known right up front who you serve and who you walk with. 
Think for a moment. What would Jesus have done with Facebook? Now, I know WWJD, that's really old and overused, but what would he do with Facebook? How about Paul, Peter, James, John, Jude? What would they have done with Facebook? Man, they'd have gotten on there and burned it up. It's a powerful tool for good. Imagine this, that one good quote, one mention of Jesus, one Bible verse might be used by God to rescue a soul from the brink. Just one. Just one. Now, or, or be used of God to lead a person on the other side of the world to Christ. What if you get to heaven and somebody from China says, hey, there you are. You put that Bible verse on there and then I was on the other side of the world and when you were going to bed, I was waking up and I went on Facebook and I saw that and it led me to Christ. Thank you. Okay. We're lights. Now let's talk about folly on Facebook. Admittedly, this shall be a longer section. Proverbs 15, 21 Watch this now. Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment. But a man of understanding walks uprightly. So folly or spiritual stupidity, dull-heartedness, is a joy to the person who has no discernment. These people love and get joy out of doing wrong, being stupid, silly, undiscerning, ungodly, fleshly, foolish. It's joy to them. But a man of understanding is going to walk uprightly. Wherever he is, whatever he does, he's going to walk uprightly. Now, the person who walks in folly is void of all spiritual discernment. They forget who they are and whom they represent. They also fall prey to dangerous people. Now listen carefully to this. It's a well-known fact that a great deal of sin and danger exists on Facebook. 1 Peter 5, 8 warns, quote, be alert and of a sober mind. Because here's why. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to eat alive. That's the Greek. Eat alive, devour, eat alive. Your, Your enemy is always prowling around. And you think he's not prowling on Facebook? or other social media, because of the, the, the supposed anonymity of, of that the people feel they have, that they can go on there and be predatory, they can prowl, they can do all kinds of things, that if you're not wise and discerning, you can be caught in a trap you may never get out of. We read almost daily in the news about some teenager, don't we? Or some adult meeting a friend on Facebook, who turns out to be predatory, phony, or harboring ulterior motives. This story of this 14-year-old girl that uh, ran away with a a, a young man in his mid or late 20s uh, recently, it all happened on social media, and multiply that millions of times, it happens all the time. The undiscerning go on there and fall prey to people that are far wiser in a worldly, demonic sense than they are. Christians tend to be very naive because we know each other and trust each other and live in a world of love and peace and acceptance and 
<clears throat> reconciliation and whatnot, we forget that there are truly wicked, evil people out there. So that's why Jesus said, be wise as a serpent, but gentle as a dove. Translated, don't be stupid, dude. Okay? Or do that. Now, how many times have we read of kidnappings, false profiles, identity theft, harassment, and even murder due to reckless usage of Facebook? And remember, whatever you post on Facebook or any other social media is irretrievable, dear. Pictures and statements are public record from that day forward. I will never understand. I've tried. These girls who take risque pictures of themselves in various levels of undress and post it. You have just given it to the world forever. They can pop up 10 years later in a job interview. What? Is that you? Well, how come this wasn't in your resume? Or with a future spouse. Uh, uh, honey, somebody brought this to my... T- that kid, that's not you, is it? Well, that was back in my wild days. Huh, really? If you don't want it read on the front page of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, don't post it, email it, text it, nothing. I'm going to say it again. If you don't want it, if it's, if it's something that you would be okay with it being on the front page of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, then go ahead and email it, text it, post it, whatever. <clears throat> but otherwise, realize that whatever you text, post, Whatever you do on social media becomes public knowledge, public information, and public possession from that moment on. And Christians are not immune to the temptations presented by Facebook. Pride and arrogance, anger and hate, gossip and backbiting, immodesty, profanity, all these and more are seen and participated in on Facebook. Much of Facebook chatter amounts to thinking out loud. You get on that keyboard and you just start thinking out loud. And you decide, I'm just going to vent my feelings because that's what Facebook is for. But the Bible clearly warns against this. Listen carefully to me. Listen carefully to God's Word. Proverbs 12:23 says, A prudent man conceals knowledge. He holds back. He doesn't tell everything. But the heart of fools broadcasts their silliness. Ouch. See, the fool gets on there and says, Boy, I've had a terrible day that so and so did this and so and so did that, and this is the way I feel. And you fire it off. The Bible says, You acted like a fool just then broadcasting your silliness or all of your thoughts. Look at Proverbs 29, 11. A fool, I want everybody to read this with me so it doesn't sound like I'm preaching at you. I want you to read it with me, all right? A fool vents all his feelings. Stop right there. So, it, so is it wise to say, well, I'm just being real? Don't be real. Be part real kind of real, selectively real. But what does a wise man do? He holds back his feelings. He does not just bleh, 
It's foolish to vent all your feelings on a platform where 500 million people might see it and where strangers are just a few mouse clicks away. That's how the predators operate, folks. They look for the down, the hurting, the wounded, the lonely, the bleeding. And there you are. Blah, blah, blah. I'm so depressed, so down, so discouraged, so rejected, so lonely. Oh, really? Hi. And suddenly you're friended. Proverbs 13, 16 warns, All who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. Now let's talk a bit more about the follies and the temptations of Facebook. Everybody okay? Well, that's not very convincing. Some of you hold on to your toes. Listen, I need this. You need this. We all need this. We need the Word of God to penetrate every area of our life. And this is a big one. Amen? All right, so let's go. Facebook gives a false sense of freedom from accountability. But this perceived anonymity is utterly misleading because you're never anonymous in social media. If nothing else, the Christian is always accountable to God. You can start right there. The Bible says, Romans 14, verse 12, So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. For some reason, we think that when we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, email, blogging, whatever, that we're anonymous, that we can say and do things without accountability. Bloggers are terrible about this. I can't believe some of the things people say in a blogging format that is just ferociously cruel. I mean, do you know, and you do know, teenagers across the country, we, we read the stories, who have committed suicide. They were so crucified in social media, and they felt helpless to turn it around. And they have to, the police have to get on the computer and track who it was that said what they said that brought this teenager to the point where they couldn't take it anymore. you can't say things without accountability. We're not unaccountable. God is watching, and what we sow, we will reap, no matter what context we're in. One of the mottos used to justify wrong activity on Facebook, sort of a social media philosophy, is this one. Well, I'm just keeping it real. Or how about this? I'm just being myself. Or how about it's always a good thing to be honest if my heart is right. But the Bible says that every word we speak should pass through the sifter of God's approval or disapproval. Should it not? Should it not? If you were in a group, wouldn't you filter what you said? But you're in this invisible group, and you think, well, I can say what I want because they can't see me, and I can't see them. Psalms 19.14 says, we've already read it, but may these words of my mouth And this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So so before you say it on Facebook or any other form of social media, say, Lord, before I say it, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing. May it pass through the pleasure of, of, of your filter before I say it. Slanderous words, gossipy words, dirty words, none of these 
can be pleasing in the sight of the Lord, whether you're being real or not. You might be being real, but it's fleshly real. Let's remember that idle words are not innocent. I think this is one of the strongest things Jesus ever said. Matthew 12, 36 to 37, Jesus warns. But I tell you that everybody will have to give account on the day of judgment for every idle word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. Well, you know what idle means? It means lazy or useless. A lazily spoken word or a useless word. In other words, you're just talking to talk. You're just yakking. You're just on there typing away, saying whatever comes to your mind. And your words aren't thought through. They aren't to edification. They're lazily, haphazardly uttered. I mean, it's... it. it 98% of chatter on social network could be flushed down the toilet and never missed. <clears throat> Look what Ephesians 4.29 says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now look, what we speak ought to build others up. Can I draw your attention to that? What we speak ought to build others up according to their needs, an encouragement, an exhortation, a word of comfort, a word of guidance. It should build up, not tear down, not destroy, not ruin, not slander, not defame, <laughs> that it may benefit those who listen. Now, Anybody that walks according to Ephesians 4.29 on social network is going to be a light. Another danger with Facebook is that it offers an apparent removal of moral restraints. Uh, we just feel that since it's Facebook, we let our guard down and get saucy. <laughs> 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Turn away from the sinful things young people want to do. And I could add, and older folks too. Go after what is what, everyone? Right. Have a desire for faith and love and peace. Do this with those who pray to God from a what kind of heart? Clean, Clean heart. Much on Facebook shows that a moral restraint uh, disappears like a morning fog. We see photos of Christians. Now, I was on Facebook one week. I'm... Much of what I have known about here, I've been told, and I've been sent a few things that people posted through the years because uh, I needed to know it. But we see photos of Christians immodestly dressed, provocatively, uh, let me move ahead, provocatively displaying attitudes of worldliness. So often Christian women post pictures of themselves with this, come hither expression on their faces. Wink, wink. <laughs> hey, hey, baby, I'm on Facebook and I love the Lord just like you do. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> and they're in these positions and clothing and places and you go, Really? 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 10 clearly says, listen to this, Christian women, I'm quoting Paul, 
Christian women should not be dressed in the kind of clothes that will make people look at them lustfully. I didn't write that. Don't look at me like I'm a devil. Paul wrote that. That's in the eternal Word of God. I'm just reading it to you. That's all. Am I perfect? No. Are we any of us perfect? No. But this is what the Bible says. Because, ladies, you have no idea the power you have to cause a man to stumble or to help him not lust. You have no clue. Well, some of you do, but a lot of you don't. Instead of these things, now I'm just continuing to quote Paul here. Instead of these things, Christian women should be known for doing good things and living good lives. Christians must deny worldly lusts, not inflame them. Now, Titus 2.12 says, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So, ladies, rather than making men stumble over the way you dress, Titus says, in the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. Encourage the young men. Now, I don't think that means you've got to dress like you're Amish. And I'm not about to get up here and describe a dress code, but I will say this. There is nothing more attractive than an attractive woman modestly dressed, carrying the grace of God on her life. Nothing. So, um, you know, just pray about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be legalistic about it. Just pray about it. Holy Ghost will tell you. And if he won't tell you, Kathy will tell you. <laughs> oh, boy. <clears throat> All right. Now, now, look at what he goes on to say. Look what he goes on to say. This is verse 7. In, uh, we're still in Titus 2.12. Uh, we're somewhere in Titus 2. You yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your Christianity. It goes for men and women. The Scriptures teach that Christian Facebook users should have a zero-tolerance policy for anybody posting offensive sinful material on your wall. Now, would you, would you let somebody into your house? Would you let them put a pornographic picture up on your wall? No. Well, what's the difference? You've got a Facebook house. No exceptions. Delete the offensive postings and remove friends who refuse to be decent. They're not your friend. If they're being indecent, they're a danger to your spiritual walk. You don't need friends like that. Defriend them, unfriend them, kick friend them, un get them, get them out. Paul wanted to know. Paul wanted to know what fellowship does light have with darkness? Psalms 101, verse 3. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. And in the rest of life. We must guard our souls from corrupting influences. I mean, as in the rest of our life. Facebook's no different. No matter how likable a person may seem on Facebook, if they don't walk with God, be assured that if you continue friending them, the Bible warns, don't be deceived, for bad company will corrupt good character. 
I would love to be able to know. I wish I were God long enough to know how many Christians have gone on social media and ended up corrupted and backslidden and wounded because of who they communicated with and the morals and values that were communicated to them. Facebook encourages people to post very private stuff for public display. You often see statements like, I really embarrassed myself on Facebook, but oh well, I just needed to be real. On Facebook, we're given to impulse. We vent anger by typing before thinking. When Proverbs 14, 29 warns, people with understanding control their anger, but a hot temper shows great foolishness. And how many times do you see a hot-tempered post on Facebook? Decency and decorum are replaced with rudeness. We use words and phrases we would never use in a public setting. Private and even shameful things are publicly exposed. When Ephesians 5.12 says it's a shameful or it is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, it's not even right to talk about it. And probably worst of all, Facebook is the perfect venue for uncontrolled tongues. The Christians should know to watch what they say. Proverbs 17, 27 to 28. Read this with me. A truly wise person uses few words. Few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. And I love verse 28. Even fools are thought wise when they shut up. Even a fool can make you think they're wise if they quit talking so much. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. That's what the Bible says. You want to convince somebody you're smart, just don't say much. When everybody's sitting around, da-da-da-da-da-da, you just sit there, hmm. After a while, they're going to go, ooh, wisdom. Okay, one of Facebook's great follies is the venue it provides for gossip. All kinds of hurtful words that disrupt, divide, destroy, misinform, and mislead are spoken with impunity. What I mean by impunity is they can't be answered back. They can't be answered back. That's why these teenagers have committed suicide. Because you go on social media and you say, blah, 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 about somebody or something. And the person is completely at a loss. Because how can they reach out there and grab all the people who have already read it and fix it? And they feel like they have no control over their reputation, no control over what has been said, no way to undo it, to iron the wrinkles out, to set it right. It leaves the object of the talk at a totally unfair disadvantage. So therefore, it is totally wrong. The Bible warns repeatedly of the danger of gossip. Whoever con- now, this is Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever conceals an offense 
promotes love. But whoever gossips about it, that is the offense, separates friends. And it's also a sin to listen to gossip. Did you know that? It's a sin to listen to gossip. It's just not a wrong decision. It's damaging to you, damaging to me. If I listen to gossip, quick story, I was at a table once, a big table with a bunch of very well-known preachers. I was a little shot amongst big shots. And, I was, and, and, and everybody at that table had great influence. And I was at that table. Somebody had taken me along, and I went. And during, during the conversation with all these big guns in ministry who reached millions of people, one of them popped off about another preacher he made just a couple of sentences. He just said a couple of things. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, gosh. It just so happened that I watched this preacher they popped off about every week. Now, one day I was getting up for church, and I was going to church, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Jeff, you haven't listened to so-and-so in a while. And I thought about it. And I thought, you know, that's true. It was like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, how come? And I thought back to that one moment when two or three sentences were said that were inflammatory, defamatory, slanderous. And without me even consciously thinking about it, I had quit watching because of the evil report. So I had to right then and there say, God, forgive me because I don't even know if what he said is true because he wasn't there to defend himself. So I started watching again and getting blessed again. And I left it with God. But see what it did? It separated friends. It separated relationship. And it's also a sin to listen to gossip. A wrongdoer, listen to Proverbs 17, verse 4, quote, a wrongdoer listens to sinful lips. And a liar listens to a tongue that destroys. Ouch. So if you love gossip, you know what the Bible's saying? You're a wrongdoer and you're a liar. If you love gossip, if you're one of these people that just salivate, give me the latest updates, uh, what, what's moving through the grapevine. The Bible says you're a wrongdoer and you're a liar. I didn't say it. I got it up there so you can see it. A liar listens to a tongue that destroys people. So it's not just what you say, it's what you listen to. Gossip can be spread not just by words. Hey, have you heard the latest on blah, 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 blah? But it's also by insinuation. Blah, blah, blah's name comes up and, and you give an expression. Ah. Well, you didn't say anything. Yeah, you did. Facial expressions, tone of voice. Hey, have you heard about the latest about Joe Smith? Oh, Joe, yeah. You said it right there. I don't know what it is, but we all know about old Joe. But old Joe's not there to say a word, to defend himself. Gossip's effect is always the same. It divides and it destroys. A lady named Janet Treadway wrote this following um, 
poem on gossip. Let's, let me read it. My name is Gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I'm quoted, the more I'm believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. They can't track me. I added that part. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and I ruin marriages. I ruin careers and I cause sleepless nights, heartache, and indigestion. I spawn suspicion. I'm going to read that again. I spawn suspicion and I generate grief. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Even my name hisses. I am called gossip. <clears throat> gossip occurs when you tell somebody who's not a part of the problem or a part of the solution. And that narrows it down a lot. You got something on your mind, you're offended, you're concerned, you've got something on your mind like that, Here's what you do. You go to somebody who's either a part of the problem or a part of the solution. You don't go to just anybody. Now, if you take it to Facebook, what have you done? You have totally broken that principle because you have taken it to God knows how many people whose business it is not. Okay? So very, very important. Gossip occurs when you tell somebody who's not a part of the problem or a part of the solution. Where do you get that? Matthew 18, 15. Jesus said, if your brother offends you, go to him between you and him alone. Don't tell 500 people on the way to him. What you do when you go on Facebook, go to him. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he doesn't hear you, you go get two or three more who are also part of the solution and you bring them in. And if he doesn't hear them, then you take it to the church. That doesn't mean to everybody and anybody just going on Facebook and blabbing it. The church is talking about church government, church eldership, church leadership. Never do we have permission from Scripture to take an offense or a problem or an issue and go blabbing it around to anybody and everybody, Facebook being a great example, when... They're not a part of the problem, and they're not a part of the solution. And you're pulling them in, and you're putting them in a position of sinning. They're listening to something that they don't know whether it's even true. You're pulling them in and making them make a decision that's not fair. Now, Proverbs 21, 18 says, 
Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Catch that. There are those whose words cut like knives. Ever talk to anybody like that? <laughs> Gosh. Some people will skewer you. They have butcher knives for a tongue. Amen? But the words of wise people heal people. Hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people. Here's a principle. If what is spoken is gossip, hearsay, misleading, slanderous, or defamatory, it's of the flesh. Did y'all catch that? It's of the flesh. Now watch. When something proceeds from the flesh, it opens the gateway for demons to become involved. Now let me show you this from the Word of God, James 3, 5 through 6. James wrote, It only takes a tiny spark to set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It corrupts your entire body if you misuse it. It can set your whole life on fire. Just, just a few wrong statements can set your life into a world of trouble. For it is set on fire by what, everybody? Hell itself. Now notice, you start out saying the wrong thing, but the final outcome is it is set on fire by, say it again, hell itself. Do you see the pattern? First, a runaway tongue speaks something inflammatory, something in the flesh. Those words then corrupt the entire body. Now look at this happening on Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever. There it goes. And once you hit that send button, you cannot get it back. All right? So those words go out there. And they were spoken in anger, or they were spoken in hurt, or they were spoken in lust, or they were spoken in fear. Whatever motivated the speaking, they get out there, and, and they have fire on them. They were fleshly. And then hell is able to take advantage of the fleshly use of the tongue and set the words on fire by hell. Where they become anointed, we could say. They become anointed by hell. And finally, hell gets involved, sets the fleshly words on fire. This hellish fire then proceeds to burn up the entire forest which symbolizes masses of people. Gossip, backbiting, rumor-mongering, and evil suspicions are all the product of ill-spoken words on Facebook or any other social media. And they need to be watched out. Now, Proverbs 26.20 says, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. I think one of the most important passages in all of this is Proverbs 18.13. Quote, spouting off before listening to the facts, meaning both sides, is both shameful and foolish. You should always listen to the other side. There's always another side. Always another side. On Facebook, it's almost impossible to obey this passage. The person or people talked about aren't there to answer the other side. Did you catch that? You say something, the other person can't do a thing about it. That's, and, and so you make, your, it's a sin right there. If you ridicule somebody, you have become arrogant and unloving. If you post profanity and join in coarse joking, you've lowered yourself to join the world in the sewer of vulgarity. If you post rumors, malicious gossip, and tail-bearing, you've left the land of brotherly love and crossed over in the land of bitterness and malice. 
Now, here's some questions for deeper reflection as we close, because it's very somber in here right now. <laughs> Everybody smile at me. This is good. The word of the Lord washes. Okay? It, it washes. I want us to be wise. Well, all of you are just, I mean, it's like mega conviction sitting on this room. Listen, the fact that you're here is a good thing. All right? Now, here's some questions. Number one, do you check Facebook in the morning before checking in with God? Number two, are you disappointed when people don't respond to your posts? Number three, do you waste too much time on Facebook? Let's move right along. Number four, do you use Facebook to avoid real-life contact? Number five, do you use Facebook for intimate conversation with the opposite sex under the guise of counseling? I'm here if you need me. Watch it. Watch it. Because sooner or later it'll be said, you know, I'm so tired of typing. Can we just meet? I'm going to leave that right there. Number six, do you use Facebook to complain about life or people? Seven, are you always truthful and loving in the things you post? Let's stand, and I'm going to close with a social media prayer. Did you know there was a social media prayer? Now, I know this stung something, but are you glad you came? Okay. Here's a social media prayer, and I just want you to read it with me. I added a couple of things parenthetically to Psalms 19.14. Let's read it. May the words of my mouth or my fingers on the keys and the meditation of my heart or the photos I post be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.